Well, here we are. You're about to listen to an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio. And even though we are taking all of the month of July off, we are still bringing you 100% free, original, and entertaining content all through the month of July, every Wednesday when the podcast goes up. The best way you could help us out is tell your friends, share this show, um, give us a rating on wherever you listen to podcasts, especially if you're an iTunes listener. We had to restart a lot of our feed information, which means we lost all of the ratings we had built up over the years, and the show is basically starting completely over in terms of statistics, which is a bummer. So, yeah, please give us a rating, share, comment on your favorite podcast app, whatever you do, and uh, yeah, that will go a long way in helping us. Also, um... Potential advertisers, like reach out to us. We really connect with the nerd and geeky audience. You can speak to folks like Guardian Games or Bridge City Comics or RevNat um, or even uh, PDX Asylum. Asylum, um, Our ads get to the people you are trying to reach. So drop us an email at gitcradio at gmail.com and we can figure something out, whether it's for you know a short-term event or an ongoing to work with your business. So yeah, let Geek in the City Radio help your show. But for now, let's get back to it with the show and bring you some fine entertainment all through the month of July. We are going to kick it off now. Hello. Uh, we are live at the Hollywood Theater for first night of the Portland Horror Film Festival. Yep. I'm your other host, Janarita. And I'm your other, other host, Cable Hassan. <laughs> There's a lot of people here. There are a lot of people here. And it seems it, like you were deducing that a lot of the actors from some of these movies are here tonight. Actors, uh, directors, creatives, people involved in the creation of the probably a lot of the shorts that we're going to see tonight, we're definitely sitting in their section. Ooh, yeah. Don't, don't let them know we're press. <laughs> do. I don't know. Um, I mean, it would be to our benefit for some of these creatives to know that we're here on press. It, it would be. Um, what we're watching tonight, today is Wednesday, June 29th. Um, at 7 p.m., Short Blocks 1 will start, followed by a Q&A with filmmakers. And then at 9 p.m., uh, the feature presentation, The Creeping, which is a movie from the U.K., It'll be our uh, feature horror movie tonight. Um, yeah, it was directed in... Uh, or it came out this year. This is its Northwest premiere, so it should be interesting to watch. Uh, I think we'll check in again after the short, first short blocks when people are doing Q&A. We'll kind of let you know what's going on then. Yeah. Stay tuned, nerds. And we're back. It is now midnight, kids. <laughs> It's it's so cute that every time we go to one of these, I'm like, it'll be over by 11, I'll pop home, get straight into bed, and it won't be so late, you know? It'll be fine. No big deal. <laughs> it is well past my bedtime. Oh, yeah. We're, uh, I'm, I'm at least an hour past mine. <laughs> um, but um, old, old, old people talk aside. Yes. Uh, what'd you think of those movies? Uh, so... A reminder, we started out with a short, uh, a block of shorts, mm-hmm. um, followed by a Q&A with uh, some, 
the directors and and uh, and six creators from about four of the films. Yep. And uh, then that went into a, a feature-length film, which uh, had its debut here in the U.S. It's from the U.K. Uh, the shorts were great. The shorts were mostly, uh, mostly, mostly average. Mostly average. <laughs> mostly <laughs> above average. Um, with one that I don't think either one of us cared much for. So we'll just skip that one and not talk about that. Yeah. Um, the so where where Denise and I sat in the theater, um, we ended up sitting in the midst of an entire um, network of one of the shorts. Like it was people who were in the movie, people who, the directors, crew, uh, family members. Um, when they came in, uh, I, I think I mentioned to you, it's like, oh, these these people are in one of the shorts. These people are clearly in, in, in the shorts. But it they was were all definitely one. having their red carpet moments. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but that would have been Baby Fever. Um, and now I'm going to look up so I can remember who the name of the folks that did this. It definitely seemed like a crowd favorite. Uh, it was uh, directed by Hannah May, uh, Hannah May Cumming, and co-written written by Hannah Mae Cumming, and then also co-written by Emma Cogan. Um, filmed here in Portland. The, uh, I think that seemed to, uh, lived in both the, uh, both genres of camp and body horror. Yes. Uh, because sure. it certainly had some, uh, it certainly had campy moments. Um, but to include the the monster, the monster was very humorous. It oh, was yes. fun to learn that that was done practical. Yep, yep, oh, practical effects. Um, but when it was uncomfortable, it was uncomfortable. Yeah, I feel like, and I mean, I know that it is a uh, like a female led creative team. Yes, they should probably put a warning on uh, on that one. Just for, for general purposes, um, especially right now. So here's the, like, for me, it, I think I mentioned this about more than one film tonight. These movies would have hit different. A week ago. Before last Friday. <laughs> yeah. Um. If that gives you any indication of what some of the subject matter might be. So. For the record, today is Wednesday, June 29th. Yes. Yes. Um, I'm sure that's going to make the rounds. Um, and from there, like in, in other film fests. Um, what is it? Uh, Monstrous Femme Film? Was that what they were? Yes. That yeah, is okay. their creative group name. So, Monstrous Femme Film. Look them up. Uh, Portland based uh, I think that yeah this will work uh, we're, we're coming to you live from Denise's car uh, <laughs> cruising the streets of Portland at midnight yep on a Wednesday Woo! Um, what else I, I 
I think I, I definitely want to talk a bit about the uh, feature film, The Creeping. Oh, yeah, that's going to need its whole little bit, I yeah. think. Because there's a, there's a lot to unpack there. There was. Um, that was from uh, director Jamie Hooper, who managed to film it. He lives in the UK, so he filmed an opening, an introduction of the movie, specifically for the film fest, and still managed to turn that into a horror short. Yeah, that was, uh, I didn't expect that, and that was a, a, a fun extra treat. Yep, um, very cute. I thought it was going to give me an idea of what the movie was going to be like, and, and meaning I thought it was going to be a little bit more tongue-in-cheek. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, that movie took itself seriously, and I don't mean that in a bad way. It's yeah. just a, It was just a well-done, you know, small production horror flick. It was a solid ghost story. Yes. Um... And I appreciated that. Uh, like, it wasn't... It didn't try to overthink itself. It just... It went, we're going to scare you. And and they, they did that. I was... It was... Uh, I had moments where I went, Oh, no! Oh, don't go in there! Oh, no! Yeah! No. <laughs> and, um... Decent effects. Mm-hmm. Could have been better, some of those. But for the most part, pretty good. Good cinematography. I think the 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 digital effects were the ones that felt like, yep, that's a digital effect. The practical effects were done well. Yes. Just uh, yeah, that one. This that one. one. Yep, because you're gonna go over the okay. bridge. Um, I didn't want that. That takes you to there. Yeah, that's what I thought. I um, yeah. What else did you think? Uh, gosh, let me think here. Now I have to, like, re-remember the list of movies that we saw. Uh, I'll rattle off the shorts at you real quick here. Um. Uh, where did they go? There was Old Time Radio, Death in a Box. Baby Fever. Well, there we go. Let's talk about Death in a Box a little bit more because I think you liked it more than I did, and I was a little underwhelmed. I I, I liked the concept of it, and I thought it was uh, executed just fine. Mm. Um. It. I don't know. Uh, I I think I I just liked the it. It kind of uh, was a. Um, God, it felt a little Blumhouse now that I think about it. Huh, okay. Like like just a standard Blumhouse horror. I just, I, th- I, I agree that like there was a, there was a good concept there and they clearly wanted to turn that concept into a film. Mm-hmm. I don't think that that whole film is about that concept. It feels, a, it felt a little bit, ah. Uh, I don't know, pieced together? Yeah, I, I can see that. Um, I think, given that uh, the director stated that this was his first movie... Um, you give that a little more leeway? I give it a little... Eh, not leeway, but I, I will take this as a... This makes an impressive business card. This would... Were I a producer, this would get a meeting. Gotcha. Okay. To see what else you could do. I think that's fair. Yeah. Um, 
Any other standouts? Um, I think I think that was it. There there were like I was saying, there there was Death in a Box, Baby Fever, The Wearback, Doppelbanger. Um Doppelbanger was fun. Yep. The Visitors, which was also uh, a foreign film that was shot in Japan. Very an unexpected homage to Evil Dead. Yeah, yeah, very, very much in yep. that uh, style of of monster, I guess. Yep. I wouldn't call. I wouldn't say zombie for sure, but uh. no. Um, and then uh, Button Man, which eh. very aesthetic, um, good concept. Yeah. Uh, the story was not as well told as I, I would like. No. Uh, the last pickup, which is which was uh, part of the bumper contest. Yeah, so that was a, a super short, just a, just a minute long. I think we're going to get one bumper every for every block of programming. I believe, yeah, I believe you're correct. Uh, then there was Willow and Lydia, Black, and then the trunk. The trunk I also liked. The trunk was good. Willow and Lydia was strange. Again, another, like, female led and female concept story yeah i i i think that where some of these missed is when they were trying to talk about a particular subject Mm -hmm. or or touch on subject matter under the auspices of, of horror and they didn't quite stick the landing i agree i agree it was a little it's just a little off. It's just not quite there. It could have been a lot better. It's mm-hmm. a good concept, again. Um, overall, a very good first serving. Um, I think that I get the vibe from yep. the, the few oh, film fests that I've been to that, you know, they start off, they, they, they got to warm you up first. And some of, like, the really standout films, both feature and short um come later in the the course of the the festival so this was a a really really good start and i'm looking forward to uh what's gonna come in the next couple days yep uh tomorrow night uh is uh, a double feature what is buried must remain which is a found footage movie uh, made in Lebanon? lebanon shot by um and the the actors are syrian Refugees. Yes. That's right. Yeah, I mean, the, the trailer for that was really compelling. I'm excited for that one. And then the the second part of the double feature is Revealer. Um, they, uh, here's the thing. The director is Luke Boyce. But they also said that that movie is from the creator of Hack Slash. And I don't know uh, anything about that comic, so... Oh, I do. <laughs> That'll be something more we can talk about tomorrow. All right, sounds um, good. I think for now, uh, I'm, I'm going to go to bed. Yeah. Yeah. You, you should go home. I'm going to go home and yeah. go to bed. Okay. <laughs> and we can do it all over again tomorrow. Bye, nerds. And... We're back. <laughs> Hello. I'm saying that like uh, we we think Aaron's going to cut it in such a way that uh, <laughs> there's just going to be one long take with little breaks, and I mean, we're back. 
I mean, that is how it's usually done. Yeah, usually, I guess so. When we have, you know, multiple segments and such. You're right. Um, That's true. I think the weirder part is that, like, in in airwave speak, it's a short, you know, commercial break. But for us, it's been almost 24 hours. Uh, yeah, almost at this point. This Surprisingly, not a full 24 hours. We actually got out pretty close to on time tonight. We did. Last night was just really... Was it... Because there were so many shorts or because there was just so much energy? No, no, no. Here's the thing is I know that Brian and Gwen plan, you know, four hours of programming on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday night. Mm -hmm. And that is based on how long the content is plus the amount of time that they anticipate Q&As will be and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But the Hollywood is the Hollywood and like nothing ever starts on time there. I love the Hollywood, but... (laughs) It's a small theater, and the concessions line always holds everything up because it's a small concession stand. That's true. And we have a lot of people. Yesterday was absolutely packed. It was. And Uh, so we got a late start, and then, you know, every other little thing pushes it back, pushes it back. Next thing you know, it's more than an hour past the time you thought you were going to be done. That's fair. That that wasn't the case tonight, and you were correct that uh, we did. They started on time. We got out on time. Um, it was a smaller crowd tonight, uh, certainly just as enthusiastic. Yes. Uh, I think they were saying that last night, because there were so many shorts that were local, they had a lot of people who were in those shorts mm-hmm. that also comprised a lot of the audience. Last yeah. Night. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of films where this was their first time on the big screen. Right. Maybe their only time. And so that definitely impacts a crowd, um, but I think that tonight was, you know, more ardent fans of of the genre who mm-hmm. were like really there for for everything. Because tonight they did two, they did a double feature for tonight, mm-hmm. which was um, uh, the first two one, movies. That, yeah, what was the first one? Uh, what is buried must remain. What, what is which buried? Which is the one we teased last night. Mm-hmm. It's a film. Made in Lebanon, Lebanon, um, uh, featuring and created by Syrianese, um, Syrian refugees. Correct. That's Syrianese is not a word. Syrianese is not a word. <laughs> it is a portmanteau, however. It, it is. <laughs> um, what did you think of uh, What is Buried? Um, it was much like the the creeping that we watched. It, it was. In part, a very straightforward ghost story. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of the technical elements and storytelling elements that make a good ghost story were very present mm-hmm. um, and executed very well. On top of that, you get a complete... Uh, there is a very clear culture shift in that these are... Here, thank you very much. Yeah, not only is it a film made by a very specific subgroup of people from a Mm -hmm. very particular part of the world, impacted by a very particular thing, but their movie is about that also. Yep, that that is uh, informs their performances. It informs the story. Um, And both Gwen and Brian, uh, Gwen and Brian Callahan, who run the fest talked about the fact that 
all of these things that are laid into the DNA of this movie are part and parcel why they wanted it for this fest. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. I think Brian put it really well. He's like, that's kind of the point of, of these film fests is to bring as many eyes as possible to a film that otherwise we might not have, we might never hear about. No. Some of the stuff, sure, especially if it's local, will probably find its way to us at some point or another through various um, resources. Yep. But a, a foreign film from a small team that's mm-hmm. not getting a lot of marketing, we would probably never see it otherwise, and that nope. would be a damn shame. And the one of the actors of that movie, um, Hassan, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name since I don't have it in front of me and I will butcher it otherwise. But his first name is Hassan. Um, uh, he has very powerful on-screen charisma. I look forward to seeing him in larger budget productions. I loved all of them. I, um, I did too. I think they all like, it's like, cool. Follow your bliss. Keep being an actor. I would like to see you in other things. I very specifically want to see Hassan in a Starfleet uniform. Oh, okay. Like, that popped into my head while we were watching. It's like, oh man, I want to see you on Star Trek. I don't know why, but I want you on Star Trek. (laughs) And now this is where I have to, like, show my hand. Which character did Hassan play? Uh, Allah. Uh, Allah. uh, Allah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Oh, see... I think if anyone was going to be on Star Trek, it would be the guy who played Abdullah. Hmm. I would also like to see a, that actor in other things. He he didn't... Yeah, that didn't trigger with me. But... He had a, he had a real presence that I mm, enjoyed. Um, but they were all great. Yes. Uh, yeah, for sure. Everyone, everyone brought something different to the film. Mm-hmm. And that's, what I, I assume, part of what made it such an enjoyable feature. Uh, the second part of the double feature, wow, sorry, that's all right, uh, was Revealer, which uh, I'm going to look up the director's name so I don't forget it. Oh, look, right, I forget you do that. Revealer, Revealer. There we go. Uh, directed by Luke Boyce. Um, and comic fans will recognize one of the writers of the movie, who, both the story and screenplay, was by Tim Seeley. Tim Seeley is the creator of Hack Slash. Right, which we also teased last night. Um, do you feel like you knew what to expect from this movie? Um, because you're familiar with Hack Slash? I think, given that uh, the two main characters were the opposite sides of the um, argument mm-hmm. for both um, religious fundamentalism and living your own damn life. Mm-hmm. Uh, that dialogue was exactly what I would have expected from Tim Seeley. Um, that it's why I like Hack Slash. Hack Slash is um, Final Girl plus um, Slasher Monster fighting nothing but slashers all the time um, in skimpy outfits. So it's supposed to be gratuitous and 
gory. And yet, he manages to say something all the time in Hackslash. Okay. Um, so I think with Revealer, and I think this goes to as small as, you know, as big a production it was, it was also a very small production. It because was very it was, intimately shot. Yep, it was filmed during 2020, very deep into COVID. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but, like, I, I think both the director and uh, Seeley's writing and the actors portraying the characters all brought a very strong, um, believable version of what could have easily been caricatures yeah i i actually like would quantify revealer as a solid you know like theatrical release Mm -hmm. you know big budget film it doesn't have it has very few shortcomings uh you Mm -hmm. know like like from coming from a very like critical angle is what is what i mean i don't want to be like everything needs something more um that sounds very pretentious but i just i just mean it it was a very well-rounded production in terms of the writing the cinematography definitely the acting Mm -hmm. uh, but also the effects and the the staging and all of it was yeah i i think i i was expecting not to like it because as i was telling you earlier i'm like Mm, these like big budget movies that participate in these smaller film festivals are kind of cheating, right? Sure, sure. But but no, I loved it. I, I had a really good time with that one. Yeah, uh, I I wasn't expecting to like it as much as I uh, as I did. Um, I I figured eh, it'll be good. I'm more interested to see how like if I can see Tim Seeley's writing come mm-hmm. through. Um, through the performances, and it's like, oh, yep, nope, there it is. So, um, yeah, I I also now want to talk to Luke Boyce about whether or not he watches Strange New Worlds because he very he did a video uh, introduction to the movie, and he very specifically used the term radical empathy, which was Pike's line. From Spock Amok. Oh, okay. Interesting. When he was explaining what was going on with the diplomatic relations that they were trying to set up. Okay. And see, radical empathy is a term that I've been somewhat familiar with for a couple of years now. Mm, okay. and, I, and I don't think that it's a very widely used term. Okay. Uh, but I'm, I've been familiar with the concept for a while, so I don't know. But, but yeah, you're so right. He's, you're he's... much more than he he probably knows it from other things. Maybe. And mm-hmm. that Star Trek is just now incorporating it to go to reach all the trickies. <laughs> this is, I'm like, that's great. If there was ever a time that we needed a message of radical empathy is the only way to get us out of the shit that we are in. Now is that time. Uh, I mean, I, I agree, and I would say that about anything. Like, the only way to accomplish uh, certain goals at this point is to is is by radical means. Yes, this is very true. Because <laughs> clearly, the uh, like patience and waiting and reasonableness uh, has not worked so far. Uh-huh. Uh, but let's not let's not get into that right yeah. now. Um, <laughs> I, I think that's. I, I think we also need 
it is now also midnight, so. <laughs> well, any final thoughts? Um, this is great. I'm enjoying the festival so far. I'm tomorrow night is going to be all shorts. Right, just all a mega block of shorts. And they have promised they are the most terrifying of all the shorts. So. Fantastic. I am ready to be frightened. It'll be great. Yes. Um, I'm also glad I don't have to get up early the next day. That also is helpful. Um, Aaron will be joining us tomorrow, finally. Yes. Okay. Um, he's had other commitments for the past couple days, so he'll be in with us on Friday. And then... It'll just be him and I on Saturday. Saturday, right. Yeah. I'm I'm actually really bummed. It sounds like they've got some really good stuff lined up for that day. But uh, but I'm sure that you guys will report back we, we with will. all the good stuff. Alrighty. I should send some of this to him tomorrow, actually. Okay. <laughs> all right. Um, be right back, nerds. Bye. Go for it. You get to start us off. Oh, hey. Hi. It's Aaron. Uh, this is night three? Yes. yes three. Of uh, the, uh, sorry. Portland. I had to read your shirt really quick. I'm so tired. <laughs> She's like, why is he staring at me? The Portland, fucking A. Horror. Portland Horror Film Festival. It has been a day for me. Uh, clearly, this has been my first one. Uh, out of the third day, I'm finally attending. I had a great time. That was the longest intro of my own name. Yep. So, hi. Did, did I even say even, it? Did you even say your no, name? I'm I don't think you did. No, I'm Aaron Durant. No. I'm Minorita. <laughs> I'm your other, other host, <laughs> Cable Hashitani. We did that the other night without you. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> and I, this cannot be blamed on booze. I had a beer during a... No, no, uh, this is just being punchy during because like a it's five a whopping hour. 11.40. Yeah. yeah, this is a marathon. Yeah, like, no. To do this fest is a marathon because you work all day long and then it's... Oh, I'm going mm-hmm. to go watch mm-hmm. sit in the theater for yeah. 45 hours. Oh, it's going to get crazy here in a minute, too. Yep. We are not in a car like we have been for the last <laughs> couple of days. I mean, we could have changed that. <laughs> we thought it would be a good idea to be outside. Well, it's nice to not have a mask on for more than 30 yeah, seconds. There is that. There is that. Um, I should take note, uh, or we should note that... Um, much like when we uh, covered the H.P. Lovecraft Film Fest last year. <laughs> it happened again. It, it is still again. COVID. Oh. <laughs> well, there's that there's too. That. That's not what you were getting at. But the fest has made someone pass out. <laughs> has made someone throw up and pass out. They're in the lobby. The reason why we did not record right in front of the Hollywood this time is there is a fire truck and ambulance out there. <laughs> yep. Yes. I don't know if it's the festival or if it's just... The aura we give off. <laughs> Listen to King City Radio. We'll make you pass out. And 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 or vomit. And or vomit. Is that, is that what you want on your on your CV? You know, there's so many other things on there. Whatever. <laughs> I don't not want it on my CV. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um. What did we watch tonight? Tonight was yeah some highlights. Uh, tonight was almost all, <laughs> all shorts. Short. Yep. One the scariest <laughs> of the bunch, as they were advertising. Yeah, oh, that's right. Yeah. Did you hmm. did you feel like those were the scariest ones yet? I think that there were a few of them that, that definitely hit that. There's a few that had like jump scares. All right, well, let's go down the list. Yeah, sure. This time I am the one with the list. Do it. All right. So first we had our. Now bump- it's me. They we, love. First Not we you. had our bumper. Uh, tonight's was called the Beast in the Bedroom. Another bumper contest winner. I thought that was actually a clever bumper, because we never got to see what the monster was. 
<laughs> I mean, I think it's pretty obvious what the monster was, and that's the that's yeah. the horror. Uh-huh. That's the yeah. Uh, no, I, I was I I feel like once once the once he was about to you know put his hand on the doorknob, I knew what it was gonna be. But it I, I, I still it still got me. It's still it's because you knew it was the monster with two backs. <laughs> <laughs> you mean the beast in the bedroom? The beast in the bedroom. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> after that was um, <laughs> after that was an animated short uh, by the name of Welcome. That was, which came from Korea, I believe. I think so. Yeah. Oh my! It's gonna be a lively recording. No, it says U.S. Is it okay? Yeah. It had just a very Asian like. Filmmakers. Are we just making assumptions because it had a lot of Asian names? Well, the 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 filmmakers are Asian. Yeah. But yeah, for some reason I thought it was from overseas. Yeah, I actually did too, to be honest. It was good, I liked it. It had a strong Leica vibe to me. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. It was very, it felt like stop motion, but I don't think it was traditional stop motion. I think it was computer animated. Yeah, it was was CGI for sure. Uh, The characters had like that big eyes. Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. That actual like art style, what's her name did, the big eyes. Right. Oh, right. The the one artist. I know who you're talking about. It was fun. It was cute. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I was looking forward to that one. Um, let me know if you want to, like, relocate at any point. We can move to the car if you want. Because it's only going to get more lively. We are by the Hollywood yeah, Transit let's, Center. Yeah, let's, pa- let's pause yep. it. Will do. Pausing. This is a perfect spot to take a break and talk about our longest sponsor, Guardian Games. They are quite simply one of the country's greatest game stores, and they're here in Portland, Oregon at 345 Southeast Taylor Street in, well, Portland, Oregon. You know, they have all kinds of great games, new ones that are coming in every single week. You can find those right as you walk in. But what is really cool is their D&D Kids Summer Camp. So they still have some slots left for this month for July. Um, I really wish that this had been around when I was a kid. Not that I'd have been allowed to play it, because in, when I was youngling in D&D, it was, you know, evil and satanic panic and all the stuff you see in Stranger Things. Uh, my parents believed was real. Um, anyway, but not anymore. Uh, D&D has gone mainstream, and that is fantastic. And the D&D Kids Summer Camp at Guardian Games is even more fantastic. Your kids get to get out, you know, interact with other other kids and whatnot, and uh, collaborative storytelling, uh, problem-solving adventures with very trained DMs. It's It's really cool. It's very fantastic. So uh, you have to swing by Guardian Games to sign up. So go over there, 345 Southeast Taylor Street in Portland, Oregon. And uh, when you're signing your your kid up for the D&D Summer Camp, hey, thank them for being a sponsor of Geek in the City Radio. Just like Rev Nat's Hard Cider. Um, yeah, so Reverend Nat has been providing all the equipment while we still record separately, although look for us to come live together in August at Guardian Games. Uh, but Rev Nat will still be a friend and sponsor, quite simply, is some of the greatest cider you could ever have. They are still doing their free home delivery, uh, although now their product is getting out into almost every single store on the West Coast. If you don't live within, you know, their immediate delivery area, or if you're not sure your store carries them, go to uh, reverendnatshardsider.com and find out where they deliver in your area or your state. So yeah, we got some warm days coming up again, hanging outside, and if you're just not feeling the beer right now, because it you know, kind of hits hard, enjoy some delicious Reverend Nat's Hard Cider. Let's get back to the show. Alright, it's recording again. <clears throat> and we're back. <laughs> 
Okay, um, After Welcome was Shadow of a Silhouette. That one was interesting. Which one was that one again? The one about the bicycle... Uh, bicycle ghost. Yes. Oh, that one was cool. I dig that one. But I'm also a sucker for ever, like, you know, the ghost possessing to get justice. Um, Sub-sub-genre. I, I liked it technically, although I think I also kind of agree with something that uh, Denise said when we were not on mic about it. It felt a little white savory. It, There's only one white person in the cast, but they are the one who fixes everything. It did, and also the guy who did the hit and run, that felt like a really fake Mexican accent. <laughs> I, I mean, the actor did have a, a, a clearly Hispanic name, but but you're right. It, like, it would seem like maybe he was laying it on a little thick. Yeah, it was like, make, sound, make sure you sound really immigrant <laughs> So you feel really bad when he turns himself in. But yeah, you're right. It did give off that white savior vibe. Yeah, so I had mixed feelings about that. It was overall a good story, but I think maybe the casting was a little bit flawed. Let's, mm-hmm. say, let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, after that, but I like the ghost effect of the dude. Yeah, the eyes. That was, that was cool. That was good. Um, after that was "I'll Be Back Tomorrow," which was the one about the couple who shared a similar dream. The the wife had a dream about a conversation that she was having with her husband that didn't actually occur, but the husband had all that same information. He just chose not to have the conversation right. in real life. Ah, right. Yeah. That's what it was. And I like that that was all just storytelling of people, you know, a couple talking to each other. There was the false, uh, the, the, the fake out with the, oh, the noise in the kitchen is the dog. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This one felt like a classic uh, haunt attraction. Not that it was a haunted house, but it was a, we're going to build you up, build you up, build you up, build you up, give you the fake scare, relax, real scare, real scare, and and, and, and you're out. Yep. It was a, it was a good concise little little story there. Mm-hmm. That yeah. one was only five minutes long. Um, oh, next up was Seven Minutes in Hell, which uh, as the as the title indicates is teens. Uh, getting into some trouble, but obviously there's a horror element to yeah. it. Mm-hmm. So I have never actually heard of it called Seven Minutes in Heaven. What, what do you the know spin it The spin-the-bottle. Well, A, I was a dork and was never any party where that ever happened. I, I think I've only ever... I've never participated in Seven Minutes in Heaven. I have never seen the two combined. I've never seen Seven Minutes in Heaven and Spin the Bottle combined. Okay. I've seen spin, spin the, the Bottle, but yeah. Spin the Bottle usually takes place around the bottle. Right. Yeah. Also, don't play Spin the Bottle on a Ouija board. <laughs> or do. Kids. <laughs> or yeah, do. Like, it feels like they kind of set themselves up for that. Oh, uh, yeah. That totally. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think the first time I heard of Seven Minutes in Heaven was Teen Wolf. <laughs> All right. Wait, the movie? Yeah. Well, I don't remember that part. But I don't remember much of Teen Wolf. Um, he partially wolfs out when he's stuffed in the closet with oh, Boof. That's right. All right. Well, this one, though, pretty simple, like, setup. But mm-hmm. I did, I, I dug it. It was fun. Uh, like, the evil woman victim demon thing. I really dug her transformation stuff. That was some great body contortion. Yeah, that it was, was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was an effective use of lighting 
because the the practical effect of she's right there, you just don't see her until they really want you to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, good effects on that one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I dug the ending. That was fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up uh, was one of the longer ones. Love you, Mama. How'd you guys feel about that one? I thought it was well executed. Um, I don't... I mean, I I guess it fits in horror. It does, in terms of there's a lot of paranoia that just takes yourself over, and you have, like, the ghost element, but you could argue, is there really a ghost, or is that in the daughter's mind? Yeah. It, you can make it, a super effective argument. It is with definitely that. a thriller, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I just felt like the uh, the driving element of the story was a little bit flimsy. They do sort of tie it up at the end. I was telling Aaron this. <laughs> is that a pun? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the the premise that that like is the catalyst mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. for the you know the the loss in the family and the the trauma that ensues. It felt a little weak. Sure. But but then in the end, they, you know, they, then at the end you understand why that was the, the basis of everything. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess technically it works, but I still didn't love it. Sure. It everything... felt about five minutes too long for me. <laughs> it could have been yeah. trained a bit, there, I there, feel. I think, I felt that way about a couple of the shorts, I think. I think, well, we talked about this about shorts. We've talked about this at Lovecraft previous times, and myself have been guilty of this many times. A lot of times, the filmmaker or the writer needs an editor that is not emotionally invested in the film. Mm -hmm. Mm For sure. Um, And this seems like nitpicking, but there's no way the daughter overpowered her mom. (laughs) She weighs like 75 cents. No, that that was definitely part of the story that we didn't see it's like how how and when did you take out your mom <laughs> right. and then move her to the basement yeah i love that line the daughter has where she says like it's not safe here either i'm like oh okay you're you're broken yep but yeah that i, I know not saying it took me out of it but i was like yeah there were a lot of really good elements to this movie and the way it was made mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. overall it just it just didn't really like it wasn't a home run despite how many good elements it had it, it was very well professionally edited yeah for sure which which makes a lot of sense considering yeah. it was edited by mike flanagan <laughs> although now i do feel bad for saying mike flanagan you should have cut about five more minutes off that sucker <laughs> i mean he did it in a day yeah, that's true. Presumably for free. As a favor. Right. No, that's true. Yeah. So, meh. Uh, <clears throat> um, after that was no filter. Hashtag. Hashtag, Hashtag no, no filter. filter. You're yep. right. You're right. Um, that was a fun one. That's it super was. fun. Um, I, don't, I, 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 I tend to enjoy movies where they really incorporate some of those modern elements and like are a little bit more like culturally up to date mm-hmm. yeah uh which is funny because i hate that in my novels <laughs> interesting yeah do not fucking talk to me about your cell phone in your book um <laughs> um but but when it's the whole premise somehow i'm i'm totally hooked yep. um 
I had had some parts of this that made me think of that movie Cam that we talked about a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so along the same vein, um, but uh, it was a it was a good concise little story. It told what it needed to tell, and it had some pretty solid uh, effects mm-hmm. and makeup. Um, good commentary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I dug it. That is one hundred percent a filter With, that people would use without being preachy. <clears throat> It was just like short and to the point. Yep. Yeah. Um, I actually, and an element of it I like that the guy she like invites over because they're just DMing like crazy. Mm-hmm. They didn't go the route of him being creepy. He's showing up because he knows. He's like, no, we need to fuck it. Like, yeah, he kind of wants to hook up. But once he realizes she's freaking out, he's like, okay, good. I need to tell you like, this is bad. But I, I think like, maybe that was always his intent. I felt that way too, and that was the same thing with the her friend. Yeah, but her he, friend got they whacked. kept trying to get that across. Yeah, but they like like both of them said it's like I couldn't. The app wouldn't let me. Yeah, mm-hmm. the filter like it had already taken over. So yeah, it was fun. That, yeah, that you're one. right though. That was a good element too. Mm-hmm. They, they, I, I was not expecting the guy to be in on it or aware of the situation yep. I yeah. say, but of course he was because as soon as you see him it's like oh no you've been using it too it's already making you ugly yeah um after that was uh hellhole that was great I love <laughs> <that hellhole. laughs> um i don't know i couldn't really get into it that guy's accent was kind of goofy and i know the whole movie was kind of goofy but something about it just like i'm like okay this is fine mm. yeah i mean I did love the monster, though. I think that was uh, puppeteering. I think the whole thing is. Like, the, that's the that entire control, set, apart from was the guy, probably a garage. Um. Yeah. You're, yeah. The Bronco was this big. Yes, so, I could tell. I could tell that the, the the stuff with the with the truck was basically like toys or maybe stop motion. But no, the, was, but then like the the, yeah. the 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 big monster that one actually looked like it was you know. Well, I think it was a dude in a suit. I thought it was a dude in a suit. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. the movement okay. had that kaiju, yeah, 60s kaiju Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's like an old Godzilla film. I guess what I mean is like, okay, yeah, it wasn't a real monster and it wasn't like CGI or anything. It looked like a stuffed animal of some sort of kaiju. Yeah. And, and, that... I, and that really chuffed me for whatever reason. That yep. was my favorite part of it. I like the whole thing. It, it, the, only <laughs> guy, the only thing I... What kept popping in my head is, like, this should just could be, like, Ernest goes to hell. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> like, that was the vibe I felt like, all right, it's Ernest P. Wong. Just doing my job, and, uh, sorry. That might have been what inspired it's the guy. It's possible, yeah. <laughs> I can see that. Uh, that level of miniature work, I had mentioned this to you, that, uh, that felt like something that, uh, Benja Barker would have put yeah, together. Yeah, I could see that. Or could still put together. And, is you know, putting together. as goofy as the film, the short looked, that was, like, good miniature work. Yeah, it was. It was solid. Yeah. Yes, yes, it was. Um, after that, next up is In the Shadow of God, which is the, the daughter who comes to deal with um, oh, her, right. her, her dead father's home. Or she comes home because her father has died, mm-hmm. I should say. Uh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's well shot. I thought it was well acted. Um, it, I don't think it was, like, cohesive enough. 
Yeah, I didn't understand why are people... What is making people off themselves? I, I think that was the... Those were the subtle clues of... There was witchcraft in the town history. That this is one of those things where it's like... You burned a bunch of women for calling them witches, so your entire town is cursed all the time. Yeah. But we never see a witch. We don't <clears throat> learn that maybe somebody awoke some sort of, you know, curse mm-hmm. or angered a, a witch now and, like, un- re- like, unleashed old, you know, anger. Sure. It was, just, it was just happening, and it didn't make a ton of sense. Uh, I think this is a short that actually needed more minutes. This is a short that felt like they it, want to do a feature. Yeah, it was 18 minutes long. If it had been 40 minutes, I think it, we would have gotten everything a little, up and get We would have gotten more connective uh, tissue. Yeah. But it's well done. That. But it's just, yeah. It's, yeah, you're right. It's missing that connective tissue of its yep. narrative arc. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But um, yes, it was, it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. And it was well acted. Although, and... Can I just add that first night she's in her, her dad's house... She hears that thing, and then she watches that creepy-ass video of her dad basically signing off, where clearly something terrifies him, mm-hmm. and then she sees a shadow of movement out of the corner of her eye, and again, this must be like a white person thing, all I thought was like, why the fuck are you staying there tonight? Your town's <laughs> gonna have a motel, you right? You know, that's... I thought that at the very first one with the, the um, beast in the bedroom, it's like... White people, why are you always going into the fucking room? It's like, oh, there's a monster in there. I have to go look. Why? Why? You're a teenager. You, you know said, what people do behind closed doors. You said the first part aloud. There's a monster in the other room. It's and then was. you followed that up with, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go in there and see. What? what why? The fuck I, is wrong with you? One of my favorite Probably things. Probably a kid who watches too many scary movies. Yeah, one of my favorite things I've seen on TikTok lately is it's usually like a like a white woman. She's like, I want to thank black and indigenous TikTok for teaching me a lesson. Last night I was home by myself and I heard a strange noise out in the forest and I wanted to check it out. But then I remembered from watching your all's videos to just close the blinds and not go out in the forest at night. So thank you for that. <laughs> Why would you do that? <laughs> yeah, anyway. I think where I, where they lost me was when the people like jumped off their own roof. The weird grandma and, and grandpa they're just like, Fuck Yeah. It. And then and then that was it. Like we didn't address it at all. And that's where I think you're right is like if the movie could do, could have just been a little bit longer, some of that shit would have been explained and sure. it would all tie together. Yeah. I mean, she keeps waking up 10 feet from that root cellar. Yep. So there's a reason for that. Yep. But we never really get to see what it is or, or, or get an indication of what it is. I know, like, sometimes it's better not to show, but then you do at least have to tell me. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Um, next was Smile. That's fucked up. Yep. Good effects. Yeah. Good, very good. Yeah. Very good effects. Short and sweet. Mm-hmm. Good effects. Messed up. Unsettling. Yep. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of it for that. Yep. <clears throat> and then <clears throat> was Relax with Draco. 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 Draco, you're right. 
That was I, very much in the vein of <laughs> what we do in the shadows. Yeah. If ever I've seen anything. But. Yeah. What, what, it was an extremely modern take on what it would be like to live in a world with vampires. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. When you first start hearing the relaxation tape, and you know, when you're hearing it in the character's headphones or whatever, I remember thinking, like, this is going to end up being a Dracula. Yep. Like, I don't know what it is yet, but that's a Dracula talking. <laughs> yeah, it was... It was, it was kind of a giveaway, yeah. but it, it didn't take away from the enjoyment. Blood is not for, food. <laughs> it is time to relax with Draco. Blood yeah. is never the end. So that's right. And I love the end. Breathe Talk. in. Breathe out. And remember, <laughs> blood is not the answer. <laughs> yeah, that was goofy. It was yeah. a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, that one was only five minutes. Again, like super short, sweet, and to the point. Yeah, but we didn't, like, that's all we needed for the joke. Yeah, yeah for sure. Like, when you go funny with horror, less is definitely better. Get in and get out. Yep. Make the joke. Go. Credits. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then the last of the shorts was the um, While Mortals Sleep. That was weird. That was weird. Um, That felt like more of a Sunday movie, right? A little bit. I would like it to belong more in Lovecraft than this, to be it, honest. It definitely also, felt that. Also, that would be appropriate, yeah. too. It was definitely cosmic horror mm-hmm. with some um, big culty vibes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, it, uh, I don't know what it is about movies that deal with cults. It's, the, it's that language that cults use when they talk to people to bring them in. It's like, mm, nope, nope. It's the very monotone, hypnotic voice mm-hmm. that is calming. Yeah. Oh no, I thought cable meant like like the language, like the certain things that get said that it, are indicative of a cult. It's both. Yeah. It is Fair both. Enough. Fair enough. What I found the most terrifying was the early '80s decor of the entire set. Top to bottom, <laughs> everything except for the cell phone, and maybe like what the main character was wearing was a little bit more barely. A little bit more neutral in terms of like era, mm-hmm. but everything else, every single other it, element of that movie was absolutely early eighties. It felt like the medium place, which is <laughs> oh jeez, oh. <laughs> oof, <Yeah>. complete without <laughs> piles of cocaine. Was that the big? Part? Like, I was gonna, I no was cocaine. gonna ask. Wait, is there cocaine? <laughs> that would have saved it. Yeah. The medium um, place, not the movie. The movie was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, like, this is is not the first movie in this entire uh, block of movies that have referenced the 80s in some way or form. Revealer took place in 87. Yes. Um, the Creeping took place in 85. Um, I thought, you know, they. I don't think they ever actually said... And we didn't end up talking about it, but if it was 85, then that means that the main character was 30 years old. Yeah. But I also got the vibe that she might have even been older. If it was early 90s, then she would have been closer to 40. But No, it, it was 85. Was it? Yes. Okay. They I actually, mean, I didn't remember them actually specifying It's not that surprising. Day. We're getting a whole crop of filmmakers right now that grew up uh, from, like, 
you know, came of age when they started seeing horror and stuff from the mid '80s to the early '90s. Yeah, right. Just like horror films in the '80s were late '60s, early '70s in mm-hmm. terms of where they were placing them. Baby Fever took place in '72. Mm-hmm. Um, there was another one that was '69. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Child. By the um, way, did you guys notice on hashtag filter, she always had 69 comments? Yeah. I, I, saw I was like, nice. That I did not catch. Because <laughs> I'm a child. <gasps> she didn't start out with 69 comments. It did ramp up to It that, did, right? but then it stopped there. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, I'm not sure which other ones besides the ones we've already listed uh, were. Midnight Screams took place in the 80s. Yes. Um... Uh, Doppelbanger did not. Yeah, that's a cool name, though. Uh, there was an actress in Doppelbanger that I actually know. Cool. Is it, and one, like, of, is it one of these? No, it's none of those. Uh, Stephanie Leet. She was... Oh, she, one of the she, karaoke... Yeah, she was one of the karaoke people. I think that's it for 80s-themed. Yep. Um, next one is the feature that we had? Yeah. Yes! All right, so tonight's feature... <laughs> was called Woodland Gray. That one was directed by Adam Ryder, whom we did not get to see a Q&A from, but he did give us another one of those fun little uh, intros before the film. Yeah, it still doesn't beat the the intro by the director of The Creeping. Yes. (laughs) Which was was, Jamie Hooper. Because that by itself was a little mini horror short. (laughs) It was really well done. Yeah. So what did you guys think of Woodland Gray? I l- go, go ahead. No, do it. <laughs> <laughs> I liked Woodland Gray. I would have, were I the director, I would have made different editorial choices. Um, I, I, in the realm of, this was a feature that could have been a short. Yeah. To get the point across. Um. Yeah. Um. I, I didn't understand. I knew, I I could see that the filmmaker was going for the connection of this forest somehow is feeding off you, keeps you alive by making you relive your guilt and trauma. Mm-hmm. But I never fully understood where the guilt and trauma of our main protagonists were coming from. Like the man, it was underexplained. Yeah, mm-hmm. the man. It's okay. Maybe it's because his daughter died, and the whole time he's talking about how she's obsessed with fire. And I'm like, okay, she burned to death. And she burns him, like leaves burn scars on him, but then it's implied that she drowned. Yes. I'm like, yes. Okay, not fire. And uh, then with the the female lead, it's the guilt with her grandfather. But it's not like she like she didn't bail on him. No, the day she, she came died. back the next day. He she just... was a few, what a few minutes late. Yeah. Uh, and and so he died alone, I guess. But that's like that's like one of those things you really can't control. Um. Also, there were some little gaps. Oh, no, never mind. I'm lying. I'm like, oh, that didn't make sense that she said, you know, she he had this compass in the war. I'm like, no, I thought he said he bought it after. Not really the point. The uh, point he did is... say he bought it after. Okay, good. good. I, that's what I was pretty sure I heard. But yeah. I was also like, but also why would she have it? But that that's the part where I'm like, no, no, shut up. It's because the forest brings you things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or makes you believe that you have access to certain things. Um. Again, I got another another film where like the concept is great, uh, like the cinematography is great, the scenes are beautiful, the acting is solid, but it just it just didn't quite 
knock it out of the park. Man, the parts well, we want the parts that they didn't film, which yeah. would have been more of the the. Why are you in this forest? Why is the forest doing this to you? Right. Yeah. Yeah. They they didn't show us the things that would have like cinched it up, and they maybe gave us a little bit too much of other stuff like mm-hmm. aesthetic scenes or like weird conversations that didn't drive the story. Right. Yeah. And I mean, like, granted, you did give you did do a whole ninety minutes, but you still spent it in the wrong places. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know what else wasn't cool about that movie was the two people behind me. That kept talking about the fact that the young woman in the beginning of the movie can't quit talking. <laughs> Behind me, I keep hearing, read the room, girl. Shut up, girl. She won't shut up. And I felt like being like, you could do the same. <laughs> also, you get your stinky foot out of my face. Oh, jeez. Oh, no. Yeah. Sorry. Again, white people. Fucking hey, man. <laughs> well... I, I will, this is not a knock against the fest, so in any way, shape, or form, I pointed this out, like, I think on day one, that this is not a crowd that I was expecting. What do you mean? Um, it's a lot more diverse than I was expecting. Really? It, in the, and I don't mean, like, diverse, like, in that way, I mean diverse in, like, huh, there are a lot of... Old suburbanites here. Oh. oh. Which oh. I was not expecting at all. That's fair. I think the, the most lively people last night were a couple women, probably in their mid to late 60s, that were just sitting across the aisle from us. Oh, yeah. They were cracking up. They loved, good like, old they time. loved everything. It, it wow. like, it's good for them. Yeah, like everything they reacted to, it's like, oh yeah, this is great. I love this. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad that you're sitting right here. This is great energy to <laughs> feed cool. off of. But it's like, also, this is not where I would expect to find you. <laughs> I would expect you to find you out at a wine bar having this kind of excitement. Right. But no, you're here. Wait, they could what? be drinking wine. Mm. They do serve wine there. I have, I'm, I'm I sure have wine. <laughs> I think they were drinking beer, though. Good for that more. Probably yeah. ciders. Whatever. But, you know. Oh. Oh, the car is mad at me. Better start it. Well, this is a good place to wrap up, then. Yeah, I think so. With the Service angry master. car. Ah, shut up, car. Oh, uh, my yeah, God. Any, any final thoughts? The car's like, yeah, I'm done. No, um, <laughs> no I had a good time. Yeah. Uh, I always enjoy these for the shorts probably more than the features. Mm-hmm. But I'm that way when I go to Lovecraft, too. I just enjoy the shorts. I always like the creativity in a short. Uh, definitely the thing to mention for Saturday. We um, It is at the Clinton Street Theater. It is matinee. Mm-hmm. So it is not evening. We'll, we'll get to go home early. Oh, well, that's true. There's not even like a late thing. There's, not, there's not a late. So not it's on Saturday. just... It's just to... Um, and so you can conserve your energy for the double blocks. Like the of, nine hours of, of Sunday or something? Yeah, yeah. Oof, man. Sunday's going to be a real slog. I am so In glad. In the best way. I'm glad I am taking uh, Monday the 4th off, specifically for that reason. Smart. But, uh, Wait, the, Dean, do you work on the 4th? I do not. Yeah. So, so, Conven- uh, conveniently. The, the two movies tomorrow are both directed by women. 
Mm-hmm. Um, That's the focus of all day tomorrow, I believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Stag is the first feature, um, and Maya is the second. So, and both directors will be out here to do Q and A. Cool. I swear the woman who directed Maya, her name is so familiar. So her name is spelled in the program K um, backslash X I, and there. I was talking to Brian about it tonight, and he doesn't know exactly how to pronounce their name. Because I asked, and he's like, I don't know yet. Well, we'll Like, we've only corresponded, so I I don't know. We aren't sure if it's uh, KXI or K11. Hmm. Oh, right. Okay. That name is super familiar to me. I'll have to look it up later. Or just wait until tomorrow. Or that. It's not too far away. Yeah. So that's the director of Maya. The director of Stag is Alexandra Spieth. Spieth? S-P-I-E-T-H. I would say Spieth. Spieth. So, so that'll be fun. Yeah. All right. Well, that wraps us up for tonight, friends. Yep. We'll see you tomorrow, nerds. Bye. Bye. Welcome to day four <laughs> oh, oh my God. of the 2022 <laughs> Portland Horror Film Festival. And uh, we have a special guest Huge. right now. Yeah, we're so excited. Um, introduce yourself. Hello, I am Kay. You can call me KXI or K11. I'm the writer, director, producer of the feature film Maya. Yeah. Which we just saw at the Clinton Street Theater, and right off the bat, a, a, a beautiful film. Thank you so much. It was amazing. Thank you. My and pleasure. it messed with my head. Well, uh, <laughs> well uh, sorry, not sorry. No, don't be sorry. Yeah. It, it had all of the it felt like it had classic horror baked into the dna of the movie itself while giving us something very fresh and very new Mm -hmm. i for one was so pleased when you mentioned like you directly said that tricycle scene clear uh inspiration (laughs) from the shining because that was the first time uh i mean like during the watching of the film that i was like that's happening. That's happening. Like, Absolutely. Like, the Shining is like one of those like, um, what's the word? It's just like it's like a classic, it's iconic, like, it's iconic, yeah, iconic. iconic. Yeah. Thank it, you. It is iconic. Um, and so I think I from the, I, I was always excited to see this movie, but from that moment onward, I was like, okay, this is someone who knows what they're doing. <laughs> Thank you. I really appreciate that. No, I have. Oh my gosh, I love The Shining so much. Um, I remember I actually tried to get it into the Overlook Film Festival and I was like, Oh yeah, it's dedicated to like everybody involved in the shining and like, you know, but it's cool, it's cool. But it's it's nice for like fans to recognize those things as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, really quick, we don't know how long you're in the Portland area. How many days? Two? Okay, so if you're able to take about an hour drive east, you can drive to all the exterior shots of the shining, which is Timberline Lodge at Mount Hood. What? Yeah. Yep. It's, no, it's like a 40-minute drive. About That's a 40-minute drive. That's where I got married. Yep. All yeah, the ex- I got congratulations. <laughs> so all the <laughs> exterior shots were shot at Timberland Lodge, which is, yeah, a quick drive east of here. And it's beautiful also. It, it's why the, the first Overlook um, Film Fest was here. Uh huh. <laughs> so if you have time, Timberline Lodge, you may have to oh check gosh. it out. All right, this, this could turn into a, a Twin Peaks slash The Shining. There you go. Absolutely. Easy so to do. I, I yep. just did Snoqualmie sure. a couple of days ago. Oh, so, did you? Yeah, I'm Fantastic. a huge Excellent. Twin Peaks fan. So. All right. Yep. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, just from your introductions, you very much wear your, your nerd cred on your sleeve. Mm -hmm. You made like two Evil Dead references. <laughs> yeah. uh, That's what I knew. I was going to love that. It's like, I was oh, already okay. pumped from the movie. You made yeah, two Evil, yeah. Dead Evil Dead 2. I was like, oh, I'm so I in. actually, in my feature film, Black Lake, I actually got permission to use an Evil Dead t-shirt for that movie. Oh, that's so, awesome. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> yep. All right. Bruce is also an Oregonian. Oh my God, is he really? Yeah, he lives yeah. just outside of Bend, Oregon. <laughs> oh. Even I, I need to like add some extra days to my trip. I mean, you, we encourage so. you to do so. Well, you know, I'm sure between the three of us, we can show you around. Sure. Like, yeah. Portland That'd actually, like, like over the last couple decades, is a, it's like a big film production town. Yeah. So. Is this because of the Twilight movies? No, no. Okay. We also have that. You also have that. So what... What inspired you to use that, like the gin, as a as a reference within this film? Um, it's what I know. Like, like what I said at the beginning of the the intro bit, introducing the movie. Um, it's something I grew up with uh, from my own experiences, and I really just wanted people to see something different. So, mm -hmm. had the film come out like on the festival circuit in 2014, 2015, it would have been, I guess, the first film that kind of explicitly explored gin, you know, folklore. Um, but unfortunately, that didn't happen. And we, uh, I think we had the film, what was it called? Um, there was an Iranian film, uh, Under the Shadows, I believe, that came out on oh, Netflix. It... Uh, that became available yeah, in like... We live in this... Yeah, I, I, I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, I think it might be Under the Shadows. And that came out in like 2016. Um, and I, I remember watching that and I was like, gin. <gasps> That's, that's my thing. But I, I do think, um, for me, there are other kind of, even American films where I, I feel like gin have been explored. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've just been like, that's a gin movie. So, for example, Paranormal Activity, mm -hmm. the first Paranormal Activity film scared the shit out of me. Because <laughs> when I watched it, that moment where they find the photo, the family photo in the attic that's burnt, for me, that was like... That is classic gin activity. Yeah. <laughs> and it really freaked me out because that's what gin are kind of known to do. They latch onto families. Mm -hmm. It's like a family thing. Um, that's huh. why in Maya, everybody's kind of drawn back into the family house. Oh, excellent. Yeah. yeah. And um, the, the Middle Eastern and Southeast Asian like, cultures, and especially lore, is not something that most people in this part of the world are familiar with. So, like, just you saying, like, oh, paranormal activity, like, obviously draws from those themes or that lore, like, did not know that. And I've seen those. <laughs> how does it, how does it feel to, to bring that, um, that origin of lore to uh, a Western audience? I think it feels, I think it feels exciting for me because, like, I don't think even with the paranormal activity creators, I don't think in their mind it's like, oh, this is a gin movie. But for me, I recognize it as that. So I think there's just so many different types of creatures and entities out there mm -hmm. that you have this kind of crossover. Um, yeah. So for me, paranormal activities. I'm trying to think of um, other movies that might be gin like. But yeah, for me, that was a definite kind of. This has given me the heebie-jeebies. This is what I recognize it as. So. Yeah, I've, I've talked a little bit about gin movies to people, and I'm like, it's not Wishmaster, you guys. <laughs> no. I yeah. mean, those are fun. Yeah. They're ridiculous or over the top, but that is not like a gin movie. You know? mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I've had family in the past um, because, like, I'm basically infamous in my family. Everybody knows 
you know, my parents took me to see an exorcist when I was 16. Uh, I've had family that have been like, oh, what if, um, what if a jinn asked you for, uh, you know, if you can speak to jinn, why don't you ask them for things? And I was like, well, no, because what if they ask me for something and I can't deliver? And that really creeps her out. My aunt was just like, okay, I'm just going to continue folding the laundry now. Yeah. Uh, why would I ask if I can't do what they want? Actually, and I might have said, what if they ask me for you? And at which point she just kind of went, Yeah, that, that would do it. That would be a better answer. <laughs> bringing it back to family. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I liked your real deliberate choice to kind of slow the movie down um it gave me very much like a vibe of kind of early to mid 70s horror films mm -hmm. especially of that genre where it's you know you linger on a shot where modern filmmakers especially in horror just won't do it um yeah because it's cut cut, cut yeah and cut. i think of films like the possession and the conjuring which i love but it's filmed completely differently you know um and like your attention to like you clearly like I can tell when you make this film I think you enjoy those movies but you're not going for that you're going for that throwback of like no I'm going to give you this world and you're going to experience it with the character absolutely thank you for picking up on that like yeah for me it was so much about going back to that era of classic horror filmmaking I'm a big fan of like gothic literature as well and it's always about the house, mm -hmm. uh, bringing it back to the house and using that space of what is often un uh, familiar and turning that into the uncanny, the unfamiliar, um, turning something as comfortable as food into something that's going to later on mortify you. Yep. yep. Um, so it's it's I, I really love using those kind of tools rather than going for jump scares. Yep. Um, and I feel like a lot of traditional horror films like the Amityville um, and other things did that so well. I mean, if you compare, for example, the Amityville scene where it's the babysitter in the closet in the original, yes. you don't see anything in there. You just hear no. her screaming and it's terrifying because you don't see it. You're just like, oh yeah. my gosh, because your imagination leads you to a really dark place where, where you start conjuring up the images yourself mm -hmm. like what's going in there mm -hmm. and then they remade it with ryan reynolds and you see it and you're like huh no yeah. this isn't working for me newer yeah. isn't always better mm -hmm. yeah but it, it's also about what you show the audience mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. how you show it so sometimes it's better to just not leave it up to the imagination yeah. well i yeah. even think about one of the original exorcist trailers where I think the camera just slowly pushes on Reagan's door, and it's just a narrator saying what happens behind this door. They don't show anything else. They just show this slow camera push to Reagan's door, and then it goes push the exorcist. Like that's it. That's all you get. <laughs> love it. You know? Sound sound is a big part of that. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love world cinema. So for me, um, when I was a teenager and like uh, early twenties as well, I watched a lot of Korean and Japanese horror movies, Chinese horror movies, and I just loved the use of silence. Mm -hmm. and I was mm -hmm. like, just give me that. So I like to really take advantage. I like to really take advantage of those moments um, and sometimes exploit them. So <laughs> you never know what you're gonna get. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it, it's nice to see that, and I and I hope that starts to make a comeback. So I'm glad you're 
you're recognizing that you know silence can be just as moving as the Thank jump you. scare and the scream yep. and all that. Thank so. you. Yeah, I, you know what? I still haven't seen a quiet place. Um, I know I have friends who are like, oh, but it's so good the use of silence, and I'm like, guys, I'm used to that. Like I've been watching, you know, this, this, and this, and and I'm <laughs> I'm familiar with that use of silence, so I don't need to see something now to be like, well, hello. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny that you mentioned that because. Um, so as part of our July break for the show, we are going to be releasing this audio in the first week of July, and then the rest of July is going to be commentaries of other horror and other genres. But our horror selection was A Quiet Place. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. And I, I don't think that we really talk that much about the use of silence in horror as a part of that film. Largely because it, we were talking over the movie. <laughs> the yeah, that's part of that's true. Well, like, the One of the key elements of doing a horror, a, a commentary for any movie is to keep talking. Yeah. Uh, so that's like almost contrary to the purpose of that movie. But um, it's still interesting that you, that you kind of loop that in there. Well, I, I just think when people think of horror movies, they, they think of horror movie scores, which are very particular. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And, and it, it's, we often talk about what's there rather than what's not, not there. really mm -hmm. there, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. Yeah, so I'm just kind of bringing that back in. Good, That's good. Great. It's good that's a, you, you do bring a lot of classic elements of the horror filmmaking genre to what you, to the one movie we've seen you do. <laughs> um, so with that in mind, like, what, what else do you have, like, in the works? And that doesn't necessarily have to mean, like, something you're actively working on, but just other other films or stories that you aspire to tell? Um, well, my film Black Lake premiered, um, so we had the world premiere of that at the Women Horror Festival in 2020. That's now changed to the Renegade Film Festival. So that did, that did really well on the festival circuit. Um, it's currently available on Amazon Prime UK only. Mm -hmm. ah. There's stuff happening with that that I can't talk about yet, sure. but there'll be more news in a couple of months. We know about nothing that, like. about that with what we all, <laughs> yeah. the other things we do. Licensing, so, what? <laughs> <laughs> that was random. Yeah. Um, Welcome to Portland. Portland has been very random for the last few weeks. All so. right. Yeah. So with Black Lake, um, again, more kind of folklore. So Black Lake um, talks about Jurel, so the South Asian witch. Mm. Um, okay. But it's more of a response to the Delhi bus crime, um, mm. which really impacted me. And I felt like as a filmmaker, it was my duty to make something to directly respond to that. So rather than, so with the, with things like like Jin and Jurel, people still believe in those things today. Mm -hmm. Now with Jin, you don't necessarily see them. With the Jurel, she's like a almost Sadako type figure with kind of contorted limbs hair over her face and people say if you see a Jirel that's it like you will You're physically done. see her and she said to live on certain types of trees so I, I had a I started researching the whole concept of the Jirel and why people are so terrified and I thought it, it all actually led me to this this whole thing like hey wait this is all about violence against women that's the origin story of the Jirel she wouldn't be this kind of monstrous figure if she wasn't mistreated so Black Lake kind of takes that monster and, and just turns it upside down. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a... Unlike the kind of aesthetic of Maya, it's quite polished. Um, and it's, it's a very visceral movie that is... I, I describe it as 
cinema of feeling. Okay. So textures, auditory, it's it's very sensual and yeah. Yeah, that does <laughs> sound like a, a distance relative to mm -hmm. Maya. Mm -hmm. I look forward to watching that when it's available to us. Yeah, yeah we'll I definitely look forward to you guys it. seeing yeah. it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think we should probably let you go. I think some of the organizers kept coming over because yeah. there's exactly. more meeting yeah, groups. So right. we, just, we just grabbed you. Yeah. <laughs> That's all right. For the listeners who maybe weren't here this weekend, how can they follow you online and keep track of your projects? All right. So you can uh, follow me on Instagram, uh, Facebook, uh, Twitter. I don't use so much, but also on Twitter as Bad Wolf Films. Uh, yeah. Connect. Excellent. Yeah, we'll be sure to link everything on the show and all that. Amazing. So. Thank awesome. you so Thank much. you so much. Thank you so much. It was, I was so excited to see this film. It did not disappoint. And now to get to talk to you, it's wonderful. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yeah, <laughs> thanks a lot. Thank you. All right. We will be back tomorrow for <laughs> one last day of horror. Yes. 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 We will. Okay. Bye, nerds. We're recording. All right. So here we are, midnight on Sunday. It is the end of the film festival. Ooh, we did it. We watched <laughs> all of those movies, all of the days. I feel like I've run a marathon. Yes, yeah. I'm, I'm so grateful that I don't have to go to work tomorrow. I mean, it is 25 hours of programming, so that's, that is an appropriate thing to call it, is a marathon. Mm -hmm. It is a marathon of film. Yes. <sighs> um... Even yesterday, which only had a matinee, was a long day. Well, yesterday well, was special <laughs> because not only did we see new movies, we made new friends. We, we made did. lots of new friends. And that was like that As was, you guys heard, we interviewed Kay, the director of Maya. Mm -hmm. Um and then we stopped recording and essentially hung out with filmmakers over many beers. Yep, over for, over several hours for like six hours. Yeah. Um, notably, we we hung out with uh, Alex Spieth, Alexandra Spieth, um, who's the director of Stag, mm -hmm. which was the other part of the Women in Horror double feature that they did, along with Maya. Along with Maya mm -hmm. and uh, Dan Hickey from the Seattle Horror Group. Yep. Um, and his short, The Cookie Crumbles, mm -hmm. and. Uh, Anthony Cousins, and his short, Every Time We Meet for Ice Cream, Your Whole Fucking Face Explodes. Yeah. <laughs> you've been looking, we were looking, you were looking forward to that, like, all week, huh? Just because of yeah, the title? just because yeah. of the title. And, and, uh, and the preview. Uh, yeah, for sure. I had really quick that we all really loved Stag. We may not go into much of a review, because I believe we are going to have the director, Alexandria, on the show later this summer. Yeah, but I, I think that the best thing that we can say is, Look up Stag. Um, it, the information is on IMDb. Don't know where it's going to be showing yet. Right. But seek it out. Yes, it is worth. Definitely do. It is worth your dollars to go see in the theater. Especially okay. considering it's her directorial debut. Yep. I yeah. know. So yeah. rude. <laughs> um, all right. Are we ready to talk about some of these shorts? Yeah. Let's go for it. All right. So we are obviously not going to talk about all of the movies at this point because they're, again... So many, but we're going to talk to you about some of the highlights. Uh, so we'll start with yesterday's matinee, um, The Boy Who Woke Up Dead. Which was this cute animated, semi-animated uh, feature done in rhyming uh, 
couplets. That's very Shakespearean. No, I think it was just A-B rhyme. Yeah, A-B rhyme. Is that not called a couplet? Anyway, not the point. Uh, It was cute. Like, very clearly inspired Uh by, like, early Tim Burton stuff. And some Edward Gorey stuff. Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah, like, I think he named, like, name-dropped in in, in the thank you. And Shel Silverstein. Yes. And Shel Silverstein. Yeah, very Shel Silverstein. Mm -hmm, Yeah. mm -hmm. So, that one was good. It was... I really enjoyed that style of animation, mm-hmm. and uh, and it was a cute story too. Yeah. Um, next up after that was Spaghetti Face, which is uh, three lads hanging around in their treehouse, uh, trying to freak each other out with some scary stories. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it was just funny. It was. It was, it was like, very were... well, very well polished. The actors were good. I think Cable, you mentioned it gave off like a goosebumps. It did. It gave yeah. a very goosebumps vibe. Um, uh, scary and, stories to tell in the dark type of yeah, thing. Yeah, clearly um, works well under the shadow, you know, in the shadow of Stranger Things, mm-hmm. considering the era they also placed this short. Right. Yep. So. Yep. Um, yeah, it was cute. It was fun. <laughs> and then another kid-centric one, The Cookie Crumbles. So again, that was Daniel Hickey from yep. the Seattle Horror Group. That one was super funny. Mm-hmm. But then it had a twist that made it even funnier. Yes. That was not the direction that I thought it was going to go. <laughs> and it, it was pleasant. It was a pleasant surprise. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, to to lay that out, it's essentially a movie about um, the insidious nature of Girl Scouts and their cookies. Yes. Really yes. I missed it. <laughs> um, well, you can check it out online still. I will. Yeah. Uh, any other thoughts on that? It was really cute. <laughs> um, it, it is not. Uh, it's not Dan's first movie. Mm. So and um, and he has lots of pleasant things to say about the Seattle Horror Group that I think that we will eventually follow yeah, up that on. Yeah, and uh, Crypticon. So yeah, Those yeah, both that sound good. like fun. Um, but again, it's unfortunate. Like, I'm sorry that you guys don't get to hear what we talked about, but it was. We just hung out. This is why you should go to these kinds of festivals. Yes. Um, because the filmmakers are all super approachable. They want to talk about... Just like what we tell you all when we're like at shows and you're all... You'll email us later like, well, I saw you at your table, but I didn't want to come say hi. I'm like, well, that's why we're there. <laughs> so when you go to these festivals and the directors are all hanging out chatting, like, go talk to them. That's why they're there. Talk to them about their movies. Talk, yeah. about, talk to them about the movies they like. You know what artists talk hate to, to talk about, about their... themselves. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Share a plate of fries. It's uh, they're they're still people. Mm-hmm. Yep. They're very cool people. And they want to nerd out just as much as everyone else does. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. So back on track here. Um. Yet another kid-centric one. Um. The last Christmas. Oh God, that was. <laughs> Uh, wow, all the ones that we really enjoyed yesterday were all kids. I just realized mm-hmm. that too. Because kids are creepy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> kids are creepy. This one was actually like really, um, was really smart. It's mm-hmm. two sisters uh, on Christmas Eve uh, mm-hmm. trying to prove that Santa is real, and things go very awry. Yeah. The the younger sister, who's sort of the um, the driving force between the two of them. So fucking smart. And a little diabolical. A li- yep. Yeah, she was... Watch out for that one. 
Yeah, it was the fun. character, yep. I guess, not necessarily yeah. the actor. And then it does have a little bit at the end where you're like, "Oh shit!" Yep, it reminds you that it's a horror movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. Now moving into today's matinee. Um. First up is Ordinary Family, which was a world premiere from China. Yep. Uh, director Funing Tang. I didn't realize. Huh. It yeah, felt shorter than this. It was 36 minutes long. Yeah, no, it was decent size. It was. Yeah. It goes on for a while. They do a lot of like establishing the mood mm-hmm. and like what's happening outside in the rest of the world, even though we never really leave the apartment building. Yep. It has a lot of Romero vibes in that, especially as his series progress in that the dead eventually start to repeat their biggest habits. Oh yeah. And you can mm-hmm. placate them by doing that. Yeah, it was um, a it was a really good use of the zombie trope to talk about some more like, you know, intergenerational conflict. Mm-hmm. You know, like you love like the director said, like, you know, you love your family, but sometimes you really want to get the fuck away from them. Right. Espe- and yep. especially with the last two years. Uh, that's, you just want to get the fuck away. You're just getting a lot get of away. people that you live with. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> really well done. Um, far more emotional at times than I expected it to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, particularly scenes with the mom towards yeah. the end. Um, but also knew where to like where to land some jokes when needed. Yeah. So yeah, it was it was well rounded. They mm-hmm. they did they they put they did a lot in thirty six minutes. Yeah, definitely. Highly recommend seeking that one out when you can. Yeah. Uh, next, um, I think that this one was definitely a group favorite, um, both you know between the three of us and the the crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, you will see us, which is essentially <laughs> like what if all the incels like took to the streets? What if Jordan Peterson started a dating app? Yeah. Well, no, I don't think I don't, don't think say anything that out loud. <laughs> oh my god! So fucking awful. That's gonna be something that happens now. Mm. Ah. And the thing that was like really interesting about this one is the the main character is a, essentially like a Lyft driver, single female. That, and then she ends up in a car with like a guy that just does not feel very safe to be around. Um, that was a true story that the yeah. director heard from a friend and built the whole story around it and it was unsettling yep yeah um the goal of that movie seemed to be that it wanted to make sure that the audience understood how uncomfortable women are made to feel in a lot of what we would think would be but seemingly benign situations yeah um and it accomplishes that very well. Very well. Uh, and again, I was super relieved when we got to the credits and went, oh, thank God this is a woman director. Okay. okay. <laughs> it, would, it would leave you with a very different feeling if it had been a man. If it had been a man, I would have been pissed. Yeah. I would have gone, what, what were you really going for? <laughs> but again, like you had pointed out, that just goes to show us... Brian and Gwen pay very close attention to what they curate into this festival and what they want to share with everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, the movies that they pick are very much a love letter, not just 
to horror, but to the horror fans that uh, Brian and Gwen get to interact with. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's very well put. Um, any other thoughts on You Will See Us? Um, look up the director, Jennifer Wolf. Uh, Wolf with an E at the end. Wolf with an E in the end. Uh, she is a Portland author. Uh, I believe this is also her first movie. Oh. I believe it is, yeah. This was a pretty good first run. Really yeah. Good. Um, like, largely what this fest has been reminding me is, like, hire more women directors. <laughs> they kind of know what sake. they're doing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I lost so many of the movies that we have, like, really, like, favored in this, this week have been female directed. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost as though, like, women really know what it's like to be afraid of, of shit. Kitty. That is a kitty. Kitty. <laughs> um, yeah. Horror doesn't survive without women. It just doesn't. I think they have a better handle on it. Mm. Yeah. That's a, that's a whole conversation. Yes, it is. Um, okay. Last up for this block was In the Dark. Mm-hmm. Um... So it's a it's it's a date movie. Uh, people, they're you know they're getting to know each other. It's finally time to you know make some magic happen. It's date six. And you and then okay. Listen to the disdain in your voice. <laughs> I wait until date six. I mean, no, good on you. Good on you for having self restraint. Um, <laughs> but the point is that they are finally about to get busy, and the the male. Uh, reveals a really weird truth about himself, uh, at least from her perspective. Mm-hmm. And she's dated a lot of weirdos, so you know she had her high, she had high hopes for this one. Um, and then mm-hmm. when she doesn't believe his story, uh, things end poorly for everybody. For yep. everyone. Yep. Pretty straightforward story, but shot effectively enough that it works. Yeah. 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 Um, and then we're going to bump up over to today's blocks? today's evening blocks, which was, I think probably, I, cause I, I see this at the, uh, HP Lovecraft also. I think that Gwen and Brian really, really like the weird stuff. They do. They do. And they I always also, so excited for this segment. I also think part of it is that they know that at the end of a three, four or five <laughs> day festival, like everyone's tired. So it is not the time for subtlety. It's the go out bonkers. Yep, you know? <laughs> uh, and the thing about the, the shorts gone wild are a lot of them are, in fact, quite short. And there's not really a lot we can say about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a, like, we're going to highlight a few. First up was Hooky, <laughs> which is uh, like a zany internet video guy for kids to tune into it was the it's the thing that parents were always afraid that Pee Wee Herman was actually doing which was telling your kids to do horrible horrible things yeah did not know that mm-hmm. oh yeah huh. but but the kids show Pee Wee Herman was super wholesome wasn't it oh it was yeah the kids show Yes, <laughs> not his not his original stand up. The stand up is fucking hilarious, right? And and very not child appropriate. No, from what I've understood. No. I've only seen a little bit of it, uh, but that one was like fun and wacky and unsettling. Uh huh. Uh-huh. 
Uh, and then the other one is one that we've been excited about pretty much all week. They've been teasing it in their little bumpers and it just looked like it was going to be a good time. And it was. Uh, every time we meet for ice cream, your whole fucking face explodes. Which was apparently adapted from a story by Carlton Mellick III. Right, who is local, right? Oh, right, yeah. Um, and from the sounds of it, deviated from the original story mm-hmm. as far as the ending and what they shot, which I get where the story as written lends itself to go that direction. Mm-hmm. I like the direction they went with the short. Yeah, they, they yeah. kept it wholesome. So like it, it stays a very cute, sweet story with a happy ending. It has a very, like the color palette is very malt shop, yeah. very mm-hmm. um, candy store. Bright pastel, yep. which I know seems weird to say, but vibrant pastel use of colors. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that was um, a very intentional choice by the director, Anthony mm-hmm. Cousins, whom, again, we talked to, we talked to a lot uh, yesterday, but he, he mentioned it today yeah. in the Q&A and... And it really, I think it really pays off. It just gives the yeah. whole thing a very pleasant pastiche. And it, and it has that great trope of like, I'm a freak, no one will love me. And the other person's like, well, I'm kind of a freak too, and I think you're beautiful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. It, yeah, yeah, it was very, very sweet. Yeah. Okay, and then we've got our features. So again, we're going to skip Stag and Maya for now because we're going to, we have other stuff lined up. Or by now you've already heard the interview with yeah. director with the director of Maya. Um, Parker Sessions. The Parker Sessions is one that I think we all have very different feelings about. Okay. Yes. So who wants to go first? Go for it. Ooh, okay. On the spot. I, I, I really liked the concept, the idea that you are so plagued by a particular nightmare that you feel like the, the only solution is to bring it into reality and then destroy it so it is no longer tormenting you. Mm-hmm. But I did not enjoy this film. Okay. Um, I don't know. This, it, it, I just didn't like the writing. I know that the director explained that like the the therapist's or counselor's dialogue is all specifically dialogue or like things that doctors ha- or uh, therapists have said to him because mm-hmm. he went to multiple therapists like parker in the movie the the director of this movie is stephen king simmons who hails from salt lake city yeah which also informs a lot of what he was yeah putting on screen it's a specifically it is not a therapist or a doctor they are counselors yep and they are well used within a certain religion that is very influential in utah you know the one it can be a very manipulative form of air quotes therapy Mm -hmm. yep what it's I, very power sided on one side. Yep. Yeah. What I will say is, um, so again, the director wrote this film based off of some very, very personal experiences they had in, in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not going to make any assumptions, or I, I'm trying not to make any assumptions, but the addition of taking the therapist, the counselor, and like making him out to be a pedophile, mm-hmm. and thus making him the perfect victim for this plan and like, you know, a big fuck you to every guy who's ever abused his position mm-hmm. uh, in the world. That was great. That was a really, really good use of your platform. Yeah. I, I think Denise and I are very much on the same page with our issues with it. 
I think the concept's good. I think a lot of the execution, especially how it's shot, uh, especially the woman who plays Parker, I think she's fantastic in it. Mm-hmm. Um, this could have been an incredibly tight 40-minute movie. Sure. Not yes. a 90-minute feature. It was actually only 73 minutes, which yeah. is... And it I, feels and it a felt, lot longer. It, it, it feels longer. longer. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, mm-hmm. I think if I had complaints, they would be also align with technical and, and timing and editing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, uh, without me personally giving away too much, there is literally no point to the carnival scene. And I know what he said on stage, but I just... I know it's hard to say, like, I don't agree with them because they wrote it, but <laughs> I don't agree with the position. There was sure. no, I felt there was no need for any of the carnival yeah, stuff. Yeah, and that would have knocked off, like, ten minutes, I think. <laughs> sure. Um, but you, you, you seem to have enjoyed it more than we did. I, I did. Um, I think largely because of the strength of the performances. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the performers that played both Parker and Robert, um, the the <laughs> woman counselor. going to therapy and the the, the uh, counselor, um, did not. Neither one of them phoned in those performances. No, no, uh-uh. not, not even a little. Um, I will say that it did give me a lot of. This felt like. A very updated and more personal version of Hard Candy. Ah, okay. I could see that, for sure. Yeah, I could see that, for sure. Because the... I I will say, from the get-go, everything about Parker is like, okay, you're not... You are deliberately antagonizing this person, but you are not doing it because this is, you're being antagonistic towards therapy. You are actively trying to do something, and I haven't figured out what. Um, But it immediately set off my spider sense when she pulled her cord out of the wall. And it was like, my phone's charged, thanks, and headed out, and I'm like... You left your plug. Yeah, I... You did that on purpose. I thought the way, too. I was like, wait, she plugged the whole thing in but left that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, I was paying attention and went, nope, there's... Yeah, I mean, like, they showed it up close. Yep. You know, like, they want you to know that happened. Chekhov's power adapter. Yep. Yep. <laughs> but, it, like, that did set the tone for me to go, nope, this is... Whatever I think this is going to be, it's not that. Right. So... Well, yeah. that is that yeah. is it for our, our highlights. Any any last thoughts? Any last words, you guys? Um, thank you again to Gwen and Brian Callahan. Yeah, for inviting us to talk about the show or talk about the fest, um, and for the opportunity to meet so many directors. Yeah, so yeah. many performers, directors, creators. Yeah, big big thanks. And hopefully, we'll be doing this again in just a few months for HP Lovecraft. Yeah. We started talking with Brian and Gwen already about potentially starting to line up interviews through August so that when the show drops, when the show, when the fest arrives mm-hmm. in September, folks will have a really good, right? Yeah. It, the fest is in October. Oh, okay. Yeah. Then, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, th- whatever. The month you know what you mean. Yeah. The month before. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I think that um, 
we always have a good time. Brian and Gwen are really good at what they do. They are. And, uh... Maybe, just maybe, we do Lovecraft Under the Gun this year. Maybe. Someone has to be in charge of making it happen. Oh, fuck. <laughs> You're misorganized. Uh, no, no, my brain is bad now. But you're taking I've, lo- I've lost all those skills. They're not. We're not going to have this conversation right now. Nope. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yes. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, we'll be doing this again real soon. Yes. And for that. Oh shit! I'm Aaron <laughs> I'm Peterita. And I'm Cable Hashitani. We will talk to you live in August. But enjoy this and enjoy the commentaries all month.